rocking around the Christmas tree. Have a holy, jolly Christmas. It's the most wonderful time. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle Tired of an endless loop of pop Christmas music? Coming December 24th, sacred music for the Christmas season. LutheranPublicRadio.org Serenity Stability Solemnity Lutheran Public Radio, sacred music for the Christmas season. Coming Christmas Eve at LutheranPublicRadio.org The following is an encore presentation of Issues Etc. The Apostle Paul assures us that one day, at the name of Jesus... Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee, on earth, under earth, in heaven, all bowing at the name of Jesus. So it is a name, like we are told, that is above every other name. It's a name wherein we learn what he does for us. He saves Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. Live on this New Year's Eve, I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We'll begin today's show studying the hymn, Jesus, Name of Wondrous Love, and then we'll continue our series, Answering Arguments Against Christianity, talking with Craig Parton about the argument that first century people were primitive. Joining us to study the hymn, Jesus, Name of Wondrous Love, Dr. Arthur Just, professor of New Testament at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, Associate Executive Director, Theological Education for the Office of International Missions of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and author of the two-volume Concordia Commentary on Luke and the book Heaven on Earth. Dr. Just, welcome back. Thank you. Wonderful to be with you on this day in which we celebrate the name of Jesus as circumcision and the beginning of a a new year. In that vein, is it appropriate that while the world and the culture around us is celebrating or at least marking the beginning of a new calendar year, that the church is celebrating the name of Jesus. I've always loved the sort of irony that, you know, when when everybody is just kind of waking up sleepy, that we're celebrating the name, as you said in your introduction, the name that every knee shall bow on heaven and earth. It is the eighth day since his birth, and that is not insignificant, as you know. The number eight is the number of eternity. It's really, in some ways, this day is the first day of the new week of God's new creation, and Jesus begins his mission, in a sense, on this day, and it's the first shedding of his blood. It is a foretaste of his resurrection, too, because he when he rises from the dead, it's on the eighth day, as many early Christians said. So his, his name, the one who saves, what a way to begin the church year. And to begin with 
a remembrance in that name and in that act of circumcision, the shedding of his blood on the cross and his glorious resurrection on the third day. So what better way to start a new year? So much of what God does in the Old Testament, he does kind of retroactively in order to, when these things are fulfilled, make us mindful of how he has promised to do these things. Is that eighth day commandment of circumcision for all of Abraham's descendants, in retrospect, a proclamation of Christ's death and resurrection to the Old Testament people? It is. This number eight really is, as you know, it's one of my my things. I love that, the numerology, first of all, but the number eight is a recognition that once Christ comes, we have entered into eternity. We are now living, in a sense, in the end times, and we only await his coming again in glory or our own entrance into his rest when we die. And I think that the number eight clearly was recognized by, from the beginning, there were eight souls in all on the ark with Noah. It's in the uh, flood prayer of Luther in, in our baptismal liturgies. It's a citation from First Peter 3, you know, where eight souls in all. It's the beginning of a new humanity. And when Jesus dies on Good Friday and rises on the first day of the week, which is the first day of the second creation, the eighth day, there is now, in a sense, no more death because all of death has been conquered with his death. Yeah, we will die, but it's an entrance into his life now that never ends. And it's, in a way, this is the beginning of a new week in which no other day is counted. And I love the, the symbolism of the first day of the new year, that, that even though we are going to be counting the days, there are going to be 365 of them that will count off. In a sense, the, the, it's a new year, and, and it's a new day, and it's, a, it's the beginning for us to remember that we, we live in Christ, who is the eternal one. And so, in a sense, even though we do count our days, time is, to a certain extent, irrelevant for us. That's why our, our fonts are eight-sided. That's where we enter into this eternal life. Um, that's why we worship on Sunday, the eighth day. And every Sunday is, uh, again, a, a recognition that already now, by his bodily presence among us, in his word and his sacrament, we are in eternity. Heaven comes to earth. We live in that liminal period between heaven and earth there where Christ is present. And so this, this first day of this new year reminds us of all that. And his name, he who will save us from our sins, reminds us that we are saved by him and by his name. Do we know anything about the author of this hymn? Well, it, it's a 19th century hymn, and it's interesting because the author is William Walsham Howe. And he and a, a man by the name of Thomas Baker Morell, they, in the middle of the 19th century, decided that they were going to collect a whole bunch of hymns together and hope that the Anglican Church would adopt it as their official hymnal. It was called Psalms and Hymns. And it included this six stanza text for the name of Jesus that was written by Howe himself. So in a sense, this is the beginning of the the hymn being known among us as a, a hymn to recognize this glorious day. 
it's sad that that not many people sing it because not many people do have church on uh, either you know New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. But it's a wonderful hymn, and it's one that we could sing at other times because we are always, always remembering the wondrous name of Jesus. What would you say, we'll talk a lot about the texts behind the stanzas, but what would you say is the primary biblical text for this hymn? Well, the fact of the matter is, Todd, there are many. I mean, obviously the, the text from Luke's gospel, where it, it, it Luke one twenty one which is the the recording by the evangelist of the circumcision of Jesus and the giving of his name Jesus that was given to Mary at the annunciation you know and that's important it's the first title there are a number of titles there that the angel Gabriel gives Jesus to this child that's going to be born in her womb and Jesus is the first one and you know the other text would be Matthew 121 that it, we get the the meaning of the name. You shall call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. We've heard that before. I think certainly Luke is familiar with the significance of this name. So twice in Acts, we have these wonderful passages. I love the one in chapter 4, verse 10, in uh, Peter's sermon before the council, where, where he says, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you. And you could translate that well as, as the translations do, but it means saved, is saved. So there you have the name and the salvation there. And what I love about that passage is that Peter includes the death and resurrection there in Jesus. Again, a sermon of Peter's in chapter 10, you know, this is when the Gentiles hear the good news, Cornelius, and this would be Acts ten forty three. to him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And that is a wonderful passage for us as Lutherans because it connects the name of Jesus to the forgiveness of sins. But maybe the the one that really sparkles is the Philippians 2 that comes from that magnificent hymn, the Carmen Christi, that wonderful, beautiful hymn that we love so much about the person of Jesus. And you cited it at the very beginning, and, and I'll read those verses because they are definitely worth reading. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when you take all those texts together, I mean, we have a rich, rich day in which we celebrate the name of Jesus who saves us from our sins. Let's hear the first stanza of Jesus' name of wondrous love. Jesus, name of wondrous love, name all other names above, unto which must every knee bow in deep humility. Jesus, name of wondrous love, name all other names above, unto which must every Dr. Just, it 
summarizes so beautifully that longer apostolic version that you just read, where Paul is, this is for our comfort that the name of Jesus will one day be exalted. Talk about that. Yes, and and I mean, as we begin this hymn, I think we need to recognize that the first two words of every stanza, with the exception of five, but it's it's three words. It's Jesus' name, you know, and it's Jesus' exclamation name. And that, I, I mean, I just think that's brilliant by this author because what he does is he he recognizes how these two things are what we're about this day. And, yeah, he summarizes Philippians 2 in a way that is remarkable in a, such a short period of, of verses. But I, I, I love how he ends, bow in deep humility. I mean, we do bow, and I think that is the kind of the— the marked meaning of what humility is, we bow because he is our Savior, and that on this day, you know, we bow to the one who is shedding his blood for the first time for us, that we bow in humility because we recognize our Lord. And I think it's a a foretaste of what will happen when he comes again in glory. It, again, being the first day of the new year, to look towards the end, that certainly puts us in mind of the fact that eternity is here and it is coming again. And we are waiting in expectation and in humility to bow before the coming king. I think it was should be self-evident, but it was pointed out once, this was years ago by a fellow pastor, that for Paul, to say that this name is above every name is to declare the divinity, because only God can have a name that is above every name. So if the name of Jesus is above every name, then Jesus is God. It's exactly right. And I mean, just that it's capitalized. It's There is no other name, in a sense, that matters at the end of the day, even though our names matter. But I think it's important to recognize that that you know, the name bears the presence. And when when God names Jesus, he is declaring that, that God is now present in the world. Emmanuel is here with us. It's not a coincidence that right after uh, in Matthew, uh, he shall save his people from their sins. There is the citation from Isaiah 7. He shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Where the name of God is, there is God's presence. And I think we speak about how his name has put upon us with the Trinitarian word that accompanies the water in our holy baptism. And we begin our services in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in a very real sense, whenever we cross ourselves with the Trinitarian blessing, we are declaring that his name is above every name. And that name is on us. And that's why we bow in deep humility. Dr. Arthur Just is our guest. We're studying the hymn, Jesus, Name of Wondrous Love. When we return, stanza two, Jesus, name decreed of old to the maiden mother told, kneeling in her lowly cell by the angel Gabriel.
Listen to the best of the church's Christmas music during the entire Christmas season at lutheranpublicradio.org. During the 12 days of Christmas, Lutheran Public Radio, lutheranpublicradio.org. As we bid farewell to the old year and welcome the new, let's embrace the promise of new beginnings. In this journey, we are reminded that each year is a gift from the Creator, filled with opportunities, hope, and blessings. Wishing you a new year where your faith is strengthened, your joy abounds, and you find God's grace in every moment. Happy New Year from Lutheran Church Extension Fund. Sacramental, Historical, Liturgical. You're listening to Issues Etc. Faith Lutheran Church and School in Plano, Texas preaches Christ crucified. Join us each Lord's Day to hear law and gospel preaching and to receive the Lord's Supper. Our classical preschool through grade 12 Lutheran school is second to none. The school serves home educators, too, with online classes in the high school. We are located at 1701 East Park Boulevard in Plano, Texas. Reach us by phone at 972-423-7448 or on the web at www.flsplano.org. Teaching your student to read should not be complicated. Memoria Press's phonics uses common sense and the classical approach with their First Start Reading program for the most effective and efficient way to teach your child how to read. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Jesus made me cradle bold to the maiden mother told kneeling in her lonely cell by the angel Gabriel. That is stanza two of the hymn Jesus' Name of Wondrous Love. We're studying that hymn with Dr. Arthur Just of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Dr. Just, what does this second stanza bring us? Well, it puts us in mind of the Annunciation because it takes us back to where Gabriel speaks to Mary, and it it shows us very clearly that the way in which he helps Mary's troubled heart, as it says at the very beginning of the Annunciation when she wonders what sorts of things this might be, the angel helps her out by by telling her who this child is. And the first one, as we said, is Jesus. That's his name. You will call his name Jesus. But he is also son of the Most High, and he will inherit the throne of his father David, and his kingdom will be no end. So he will be a king. And then after the actual conception takes place, the angel says, and I think this is really such an important line, you know, therefore the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. I always point out to students that the first title is Jesus, and the last title is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. And Mary knows now who this child is. But also the, the title holy, I mean, the holy name of Jesus. Many pastors begin their sermons by saying, in the holy name of Jesus. His holy name 
is the name that, as I said earlier, is, is placed upon us. And when he comes into the world now, he comes as the Holy One of God. Even the demons know that. And Mary, in her lowly cell, this mild maiden Mary, she now bears in her womb the Holy One. Her womb now is is the temple, the, the place of holiness. And even later on at the visitation, the evangelist parallels uh, Mary's travel to the hill country of Judea to be with Elizabeth before the birth of John the Baptist, parallels Second Samuel 6 with the, the movement of the Ark of the Covenant. Mary now bears in her womb the Holy One, and his name is Jesus. And she knew right away, I think she knew what that name meant. Other people had been called Jesus, but now this is, in fact, the Savior. This is the Mighty One. This is the King. This is the Son of God. When it says decreed of old there, is it making reference to what you mentioned before, the Isaiah passage, where it's a different name, technically speaking, Emmanuel, but it dovetails with the giving of this name here to the Virgin Mary? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, it goes back to all those promises that a Messiah would come. And certainly Mary knew that the name Joshua, you know, was the name for Jesus, Hebrews uses that name as the name for Jesus, and we, we in some ways translate it that way. It is a name that, that everybody knew the Messiah would have because it means Savior. And, and I think, you know, again, just reflecting on this day, um, I, I think it's been, it's been hard. It's been hard a couple years, and, and many of us have lost loved ones, and many of us feel like we are sort of drowning in, in the darkness of a culture that is incomprehensible to us. It's hard to figure things out, and we, we're worried about our health, our families, and it's dark outside, at least where I live, and we need rescue. We need a Savior, and to think about that name and to think about the shedding of blood and to think that, yeah, we already live in the eighth day, that no matter what happens to me, I'm already an eternal child of God and that I have this Savior, Jesus. These are things that go back to the very beginning. This is, the, as Luke says at the beginning of his, his gospel, in his prologue, that, that this is the fulfillment of all the things that had been spoken. The events now of Jesus' life are the end, the fulfillment of what was promised. And, and boy, what a thing to think about on this first day of a new year. Here is... Stanza three, Jesus, name of priceless worth to the fallen sons of earth for the promise that it gave, Jesus shall his people save. Dr. Just, it is here where we see that this name holds a promise, that it itself is a promise of God. Talk about that. The name Jesus points beyond itself. And I think, you know, Epiphany is the unveiling of this Jesus. I love this season so much. I'm 
serving as the acting dean of chapel here at Kramer Chapel, and it's such a delight during this season. I love the hymnody of this season. I love the the coming forth of the light, the revelation. And the promises are sort of unexpected. I think people at the time of Jesus didn't expect what they ended up seeing with Jesus. We kind of heard that during this Advent season, that Jesus comes as a Messiah of mercy. But his promise is healing. His promise, and that's what salvation is. It's it's healing our wounds. It's healing our sins by forgiving them. It's restoring our body with the hope of the resurrection of all flesh when he comes again in glory. And I think more and more we we are, I think, focused on our bodies. Again, during this coronavirus time, this pandemic, people have been more sensitive to how they feel. And I think the promise of somebody who comes to to give us that healing salvation, who are fallen, uh, that uh, the fallen sons of the earth, more and more I'm convinced that the problem that we have in our culture is that we we just don't recognize the significance of original sin, that we are infected with this virus, and people understand virus now, don't they? And that that we are fallen beings. We cannot save ourselves. We need somebody whose name is of priceless worth, that is above every name, the, the name that that gives what it promises, and that is salvation. And people didn't expect it to be on a cross. They didn't expect it to be so horrible and so shameful. They didn't expect so much blood, but they should have because this Savior immediately at eight days in his circumcision not only bleeds, but in a way, in his circumcision, all of humanity is circumcised in his flesh. And already now we see the atonement as the goal of this child's life. And that's what salvation means. That's the promise that is given. That's the promise we hold on to. Dr. Arthur Just is our guest. He's professor of New Testament at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. You can learn more about studying for the vocations of pastor or deaconess at ctsfw.edu or by calling 1-800-481-2155 Forming Servants in Jesus Christ Who Teach the Faithful, Reach the Lost, and Care for All, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. When we return, Jesus, name of mercy mild, given to the holy child, when the cup of human woe first he tasted here below. Church music directors can find a new community at Prelude to Postlude, the CPH Music blog. Learn helpful tips for managing music ministry and involving members, and meet the composers of some of your favorite new pieces. Plus, find suggestions of music to use for special services, and preview some of our newest works with free samples you can use at your church. Visit us at prelude to postlude.org. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Our church loves and is grateful for those that serve our country. Operation Barnabas, part of Ministry to the Armed Forces, equips you to reach out to veterans in your community to bring Christ to those that served. Call Ministry to the Armed Forces at 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. Thank you for your service. Thank you. God bless our military. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com. LutherAcademy.com. Many educational institutions are governed by the whims of culture and are increasingly hostile to the Word of God. In contrast, Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, provides classical Lutheran education rooted in God's Word for students preschool through grade 12. Simply put, we equip students to stand firm in the faith through solid education focused on wisdom and virtue. We offer in-person instruction as well as live online classes for remote learning. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Educating a new generation of Lutherans, you're listening to Issues Etc. At the center of our campus is Kramer Chapel, and there's a reason for that. Issues Etc. guest Dr. Arthur Just. Because it is the heartbeat of Concordia Theological Seminary. It is where we go to hear the voice of Jesus and frequently be fed with the body and blood of Christ. We sometimes call it our Jerusalem. Kramer Chapel points to the classroom, which we sometimes call Athens. It is there that we do theology, biblical studies, systematic theology, practical theology, history. We love theology here, and we love the study of it, and we love coming together in worship. It's one of the things that gives us great joy, joy in worshiping, joy in studying theology, Concordia Theological Seminary is all about the joy of being in Jesus. Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, ctsfw.edu. The Lutheran Public Radio Choir with stanza four of the hymn, Jesus' Name of Wondrous Love. Dr. Arthur Just is our guest. We're studying this hymn on this Friday, December the 31st. Dr. Just, you mentioned early in our conversation the circumcision of Jesus and this being the first of his blood shed here on earth. Yes, here the, the verse certainly um, points to that in the last part, the when the cup of human Woe, first he tasted here below. I think that's a reference to that. What I love about this stanza is that it starts, however, with mercy mild. That, you know, he comes in such humility and he comes with such mildness and he comes in a way that really is, in a sense, shocking to those who expect something greater. And he comes in mercy. 
You know, this is one verse in Luke, verse 21 of, of chapter 2, between the birth of Jesus and the presentation in the temple. And it, it is, it's a wonderful sort of turning point. You can see that it's pointing now beyond itself. But it, it's still, they're still in Bethlehem. This probably happened in Bethlehem. As we said, it's a one-time event. And, and you know, it was, circumcision was a representation that we are a sinful and rebellious people against God and that this is a way of cutting it off, so to speak. And even though Jesus is without sin, here you can see already he's taking him, his place for us under the law as the sin bearer. You know, you can see he, he knows our every human woe. He is identifying with our brokenness and he tastes it. He is tempted as we are in every way, but without sin. And it's already beginning here when he's hardly even conscious of, of anything but perhaps the pain that might have accompanied his circumcision. It's very, I think, important to recognize the benefits of circumcision that now are embodied in this child. Luther said that, you know, all Old Testament believers receive the forgiveness of sins. This is where they're justified. This is where they're incorporated into the people of God. This is where they become part of God's family. And now all of those benefits are in this child because he is willing to drink the cup of human woe. When we think of the cup, we think, of course, of the, the cup that he drinks in Gethsemane, the cup of, in a sense, the wrath of God against sin. Jesus is already here, placing himself under his Father's wrath. It's an amazing thought that from the very beginning, he is the sin bearer. He is the one who stands in our place. He is the one who, in a sense, goes before us in the well-fought fight and he's eight days old. The fact that the name Savior is given at this moment shows us very clearly what he's going to have to accomplish in order to bring that about. And this verse, in again, such beautiful poetry, he tastes it here. He tastes that cup of woe. He tastes that cup of wrath. And uh, he, in a sense, now turns his face to go to Jerusalem the presentation is not far off. It's 40 days, of course, after his birth. And that is a very important number in Luke. It's 490 days since the conception of John, which is 70 weeks, 70 times 7, the time of fullness, the time of completion. And the notion of fulfillment is all over this. You know, the birth starts when the days were accomplished for him to to be born, the, the fulfillment of the the promises are referenced in his birth. You can see it here in his circumcision, and then the the fulfillment is certainly part of what happens in the presentation of Jesus in the temple. So we see that that really going back to mercy, mercy is how God is going to fulfill His promises by a merciful Savior who stands in our place as the, the drinker of the cup that we cannot drink. Here is stanza five. Jesus' only name that's given under all the mighty heaven, whereby those to sin enslaved burst their fetters and are saved. Jesus. 
suggest where in Scripture is this stanza pointing us? I think this is is pointing us to the just the fact that Jesus came to to liberate us, to free us from the bondage that we have. I, I don't know that there's a specific passage. Maybe you have one in mind. Well, I'm thinking about one of Peter's sermon in the book of Acts, where he declares there is no other name given oh. under heaven whereby we must be saved. Yes, I think that's true. Under mighty heaven. Yeah, that would be the Acts 4.10. I totally agree. I was focusing on those last two verses. Those are the ones that kind of captured my attention. But yeah, the the name that's given under the mighty heaven, and I think it also is Philippians 2. What I love here about the language that he uses, the breaking their fetters and are saved, in a way that's a reference to what happens to us in forgiveness. I mean, we when we're forgiven, we are in a sense released. We're set free. And... Um, Jesus came to break the, the the bondage that we experience from, you know, the assault of the demons, from even sickness, but certainly sin and its its guilt and shame that it that really kind of puts us in chains. And I think it also looks forward to the the breaking of the fetters of death. You know, it, it it it's really remarkable that when Jesus begins his ministry in Luke, and since this is a text from Luke, the circumcision of Jesus and his name. He begins with a sermon in which it says they're going to set the captives free. He's going to release those who are oppressed. And I think that this is what the name gives. When you have that name upon you, you are forgiven, you are free, you are liberated. And that's one of the greatest things that you could possibly have. So why is it important to... turn to those first two lines that when we say that Jesus is the Savior, that we are saying, and this is quite unpopular in the world today, that he is the only Savior there is. Well, there's there's no one else who is both Son of Man and Son of God, the person of Jesus in his divine and human nature. There's only one Messiah, one Christ. There's only one who came to show us what it means to be truly and fully human because he is without sin. And there's only that person who has that name, Jesus, who can be the Christ, who can do the work of salvation. And I think you're, you're absolutely right that that name under heaven by which we can be saved is is the great name that we celebrate on this day. And and again, what a way to look out over the next 30, 365 days, knowing that we bear the name of the one who is the greatest name under heaven and earth. So I, I, I think that you're absolutely right. We, we need to reflect mightily upon that name that is given. We're studying the hymn, Jesus' Name of Wondrous Love. Dr. Arthur Just is our guest. He's author of the two-volume Concordia Commentary on Luke and the book Heaven on Earth. These resources are published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040, or browse before you buy on the Talk On Demand archives page at issuesetc.org. When we get back, stanza six, Jesus, name of wondrous love, human name of God above 
pleading only this, we flee helpless, O our God, to Thee. If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2023, please make a year-end gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled 3, Answering Arguments Against Christianity, and a new recording of 15 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2023. For nearly 140 years, the Lutheran Witness has taught the faith, defended it against error, and shown forth the great treasures of the Lutheran Church and biblical doctrine. We're continuing this legacy by publishing issues and articles that help you see the world from a Lutheran perspective, and that teach biblical doctrine and show forth the treasures of God's Word. Visit our website to learn more and how to subscribe, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Old theology, new technology. You're listening to Issues Etc. This is Pastor Matthew Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The LCMS operates the second largest parochial school system in the United States. What can you expect from a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod school? There's one race, the human race, and Jesus died for the sins of every man, woman, and child from every land and every nation. Life begins at conception. All life is precious from womb to tomb, and every student, parent, and teacher is created in the very image of God. There's right and wrong, and we know which is which from the Ten Commandments. There are only two sexes, male and female, He created them. Marriage is the lifelong union of one man and one woman. There's such a thing as objective, absolute truth, and it's found in the person and work of Jesus Christ and His Word. To find a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod school near you, visit lcms.org schools. Stanza 6 of the hymn, Jesus' Name of Wondrous Love. Dr. Arthur Just, it's our guest. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues, etc. Dr. Just, this is my, my favorite, simply for the line, human name of God above, that so simply confesses who Christ is for us. I agree with you, Todd. And it's a surprise, isn't it? You don't expect this. I mean, in a way, it reminds us of the ascension that uh, Jesus is, the human Jesus, you know, is enthroned in heaven and we with him. That's one of the great things about the ascension that he has gone before us and takes us with him. And and his name there sitting at the right hand of the father has accomplished everything so that we might be in heaven with him. So I, I agree. And it, it, we go back to the, you know, Jesus name of wondrous love in a way 
the fact that his human name is the name of God above is the embodiment of wondrous love. There is no greater love than that he has gone before us now into heaven, uh, having accomplished what he came to do. So I agree with you. I think it's just, it sparkles. So I also like this pleading only this, we flee helpless, oh, our God, to thee, pleading only the name of Jesus. Talk about that. Yeah, I, you know, during the, the break, I was just thinking about what an ending for this hymn. Uh, again, unexpected. And I, I thought of it in terms of this first day of the new year. I think most people are, are doing their resolutions, you know, how they're going to empower themselves to do all kinds of great things this year, lose weight, whatever, you know, read the Bible more. And yet this hymn ends by telling us that we are helpless. We begin this year with the confession that we are helpless. And the only thing that we can really do in this new year and every day of this new year is plead the name of Jesus, the one who is enthroned in heaven with the human name Jesus. And it's, you know, it's a prayer. Oh, our God to thee, we helplessly flee to you and ask that you remind us every day that the name of Jesus is upon us and that it is that name that saves us from our sins. You started out by pointing us to circumcision on the eighth day and how the eighth day runs through so much of what is being proclaimed about Jesus. And you said something that caught my attention, and it was something like the day after which we no longer count days. What do you mean by that? Well, we've entered into the eternal world. I mean, we, we are now in, the, in eternity because the eternal one has come and he has, he has shown us in his, his body, risen from the dead, the wounds that accomplished this life that never ends for us. You know, I, I just taught this in Luke's gospel this week. In Luke 24, at the end of the gospel, the evangelist is very particular about counting the days and, and marking the time. There are five references in the Emmaus story, which, of course, is a very important story for me and for everyone, I think. But then there are no more time references, and every passage sort of blends into each other. And there were some critics who said, hey, this is Luke being a little confused. He all thinks of it as happening on the on the day that Jesus rose from the dead, and he corrects himself in Acts by saying the ascension was on the 40th day. But I think what happens there is that once bread is broken and the risen Christ is revealed as the crucified and risen Christ, Luke's portraying that we are not counting days anymore. Time, in a sense, doesn't matter. We are in the eternal days. Everything sort of blends together. And, you know, we count time so carefully in our world. I know I do. Every, you know, it seems like every minute is accounted for. But sometimes I think we just have to sit back and recognize that we are in the end times. I think that's one of the things that we should be most thoughtful of when we go to church and, and, and stand in the presence of the Eternal One and receive the gifts that come from His flesh, that we are, we are already participating in eternity. 
And it's, it's not just a foretaste. Already now, the Eternal One comes to us and reminds us that because our flesh has been joined to his flesh, his name has been placed upon us, we are now his eternal beings. Like a seminary student, I want to test an idea on you because I've been thinking about that notion of eternity, which I think we wrongly conceive of as timelessness, as though time no longer exists. But I think perhaps a better way to conceive of that eternity you just mentioned is eternity is what time is for us after it's been run through the resurrection, after it's been made new in the new creation. Time will still roll, but it will roll eternally for us. Every single second that passes is, I don't know if we'll mark time in eternity, but every single second that passes will remind us again of God's great mercy toward us. I agree. I mean, I think, I, I, I always talk about it as being God's time. This is now, we are now marking time as God does, as you know, and as Peter says, one day is as a thousand years. So we, we, we rejoice in the time that we have because it's in the presence of God and this is his time and, and he has claimed that time. And it's a time that in a sense never ends. It, it, this is what we will be forever. And I know that's hard, but it, there's a, a sense of the fact that the joy and the ecstasy and it, it'll be greater than we could possibly imagine. We don't want it to stop because it is the beholding of the presence of God, which is the the ultimate thing that we look to. Let's hear the entire hymn, Jesus' Name of Wondrous Love.
Dr. Just, what are your final thoughts on this great hymn? That I pray that everyone who um, begins this new year begins in the name of Jesus. Uh, I pray that, that this be a year in which that name resonates in everything that they experience, that they rem- remember the one who has come to save them from their sins, that it is a wondrous name because it is a name that bears the presence of God and all that that brings, forgiveness, life, salvation, that it is a name that we see as being the essence of our own identity, that we are people who bear his name. And I pray that that this will be a time in which people will reflect that even though they are counting the days, even though we live in time, and sometimes it can be oppressive that we are reminded of our fallen nature, that we also recognize that the Eternal One is present in us and that we are His and that someday we will live with Him in eternity in that place where the human name of God above is our home and our destiny. Dr. Arthur Just is Professor of New Testament at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. He's Associate Executive Director of Theological Education for the Office of International Missions of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and author of the two-volume Concordia Commentary on Luke and the book Heaven on Earth. Dr. Just, thank you very much. Thank you, Todd, and Happy New Year to everyone. Folks, we've been doing hymn studies for more than two decades. If you appreciate these teachings, please make a year-end tax-deductible donation to support the worldwide outreach of issues, etc. No gift is too small. You can make a secure online contribution at issuesetc.org. You can also donate by check. Make your check payable to Issues Etc. and send it to Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Thanks for listening and thanks for helping us reach more listeners in 2022. After the break, we'll have Lutheran apologist Craig Parton respond to the argument against Christianity. First century people were primitive. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay with us. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Do you want a church with a rockin' band and a sermon series to help you live a better life? It's not here. Bethany Evangelical Lutheran Church in Fairview Heights offers authentic, historic Christianity to a world awash in fads and entertainment, and offers forgiveness of sins to people overwhelmed with guilt and shame. Join us Sundays at 9.30 on Old Collinsville Road in Fairview Heights, Illinois, to receive the life-giving gifts of God with us. Find out more online at BethanyLCMS.org. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. 
We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com. How can conspiracy theories become a form of idolatry? I've written a column for the latest Issues Etc. journal titled, Yes, Elvis is Dead, But God is in His Heaven, a pastoral response to conspiracy theories. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Julie Stegemeyer writes about her path from Methodism to Lutheranism. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. Lutheran Talk. The cause of our salvation doesn't lie within us, but instead it lies outside of us, namely in the mercy of our God who sends his Son to live and die and rise again for us. Lutheran Music. Listen anytime, anywhere with the Lutheran Public Radio mobile app. Download for iPhone, Android, and Kindle at issuesetc.org.